Hey everybody, welcome back to the Three Cast. I'm your host Matthew Weber. I'm joined by Vincent Hoy. How you doing, Vince? I am good and really happy that we got to see this movie. Yeah, man, we watched a good movie, and Ricky is not here. Um, so Ricky was supposed to be here. Apparently, he forgot to uh, book a room or something. I don't know what that means. Uh, sounds like an excuse to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so this is the Three Cast. We review movies, TV shows, comic books. Every once in a while, we do other things. Uh, but this time we watched the birdcage and we discussed this at the last end of the last episode, but I think that this was your pick. Yep. So why, and you always do a better job of summarizing anyways. So why don't you tell us what this movie is about? This is an old one. But, oh, it's so good. It's, it's an oldie, but a goodie. I think it's, it's like, you know, coming on 30 years old. And as we were discussing prior to recording, it came out, I think for the, at least the, 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 the movie that we're talking about came out uh, before same-sex marriage was legalized, at least in a lot of countries. Um, but uh, the, the general plot was, is basically um, there's a nightclub owner. This all takes place in Florida. I think South Beach or Miami? I, South Beach. That's I, I, one of those, yeah. Right. I just remember Miami Sound Machine's Conga was played with Gloria Stefan. Anyways, uh, sorry, music cues. Um, so it happens in the 90s, uh, and the owner of a uh, drag drag club, you want for lack of a better term, um, and he's basically, uh, his name is Armand, and he's, um, I can't remember what Nathan Lane's character's name is, it always escapes me. Um, but, but Armand has a son from a one night stand many years ago with a, uh, with a, a lady, um, who's played by, oh my god, what's her name? Uh, she's always in every single, she always plays a straight lady for, uh, for, for like, uh, the mom of the, the guy from, um, uh, Big Bang Theory. Uh, what's her name? Okay, fine. Uh, Diane West? Is that it? No, no, no. Diane West is Gene Hackman's wife in this movie. Anyways, right, right, right. Um, so in the, in the movie, uh, Robin Williams plays this club owner who is gay, who, um, and, and they run this drag, uh, bar in. Christine in, uh, Br- Baranski. Yes, Christine Baranski, yes. Uh, so basically, uh, Robin Williams many years prior had, uh, basically had a one night stand with Christine Baranski. Um, they have a son. And, uh, essentially he, is, the son is on the cusp of getting married, uh, with a young Calista Flockhart. Um, yeah, so this, McBeal. this is how old this movie is, right? <laughs> Ali McBeal. Um, but, uh, the, the problem is that, of course, uh, the Ali McBeal character, her father and mother come from a very, uh, how do you say, Republican conservative stock. In fact, they mm-hmm. actually, um, are overseeing a very conservative group. Uh, uh, on moral authority. Um, but the problem is that, uh, in the headlines, unfortunately, uh, the, one of the co-founders, Gene Hackman's other uh, colleague, uh, was found, <laughs> it's a little too close to home, was found dead with a young, underage female black prostitute. I mean, did I miss any of the ones? That's that, exactly that, how it's ex- described. Yes. Oh, and, and then it, 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 the way it's phrased, it's like, it was okay that she was a prostitute and that she was okay, but man, she was black. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, so so th- you can understand that this this kind of really uh, undermines a lot of the kind of ambitions of the senator, but certainly the coalition for moral uh, order or moral authority. Anyhow, um, as you can imagine, this is a huge kerfuffle in the media. So Gene Hackman um, and his family, or or the senator played by Gene Hackman, decide that it is in their best interest to take a little bit of a family trip to visit. Uh, the fiance couple, right? Um, to visit the other, the other half of the family. So this is where the fun ensues because Nathan Lane, who happens to be the partner of Robin Williams in this movie, um, 
is very adamant, and they've they've grown attached to the son, right? As, as they treat, it's like a good, familiar, you know, same-sex couple with the child. But the problem is that, understandably, they don't want to, or at least Robin Williams' character, Armand, does not want to have um, this kind of uh, go south. Basically, they know that uh, the Rob, the Nathan Lane character, he is the prime star, the diva, effectively, of the uh, nightclub. And uh, he can't afford to lose her, and but he also treats her like a family member and all that stuff. But he's also super, super, I don't know how you say, openly gay and effeminate, right? Like there's no hiding that this person is homosexual. So um, that that's where the hilarity ensues because unfortunately during that big, you know, meet the parents dinner night, um, uh, Bransky's character, the, the biological mother of the son is – Caught in traffic in Miami. I've never seen Miami traffic or, or Florida traffic that bad, but um, she's caught in traffic. And what amounts to uh, you know a tragedy of like having no mom show up, it turns out to be great uh, hilarity because Nathan Lane comes out uh, of the her room or his room, um, basically having literally copied all the major tropes of being a man right um and uh, uh, earlier and failing right like earlier they he had he had kind of convinced everyone that oh yeah i could be a man and like they were learning how to walk from john wayne and hey like you know how to do these weird gates and stuff pinkies down all stuff but but basically <laughs> the problem was that he was terrible at pretending to be a man yeah. so they kind of locked him up but in light of the fact that uh, Bransky, the, the biological mother, could not make it, uh, magically, the uh, Nathan Lane character comes out of his room dressed as a very middle-aged um, woman, very conservative middle-aged woman. And uh, that's where the hilarity comes out because it's literally a parody of like all the conservative values. Like I thought it, it would be one thing to just talk about the gay gags throughout the entire movie, like the, oh, they look like little children playing leapfrog uh, in the plates, like the little, little, little kind of subtle things like that. But then there's funny things where it's like it wasn't just simply about being gay. I like the fact that uh, Nathan Lane is like when she when he introduces himself as the mother, he's like, yes, we are very conservative and we have no colored people. Something like we have no colored people here or like good white people stock. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. It's not just the the sexual orientation. It's also the very kind of racial uh, conservatism that was there. In any event, at the end of the day, all the hilarity comes out because the mother finally beats traffic, doesn't see the note on the door comes in and it kind of is revealed that, uh, you know, the parents are gay. And um, then, uh, of course, there's a paparazzi uh, outside waiting for the senator to come out. And, of course, it'd be kind of a political suicide to, to kind of come out where uh, and be found caught visiting a drag uh, club. So they all leave in a happy, merry way, uh, all singing We Are Family. Was, was that? Yeah. Was, yeah. Like, you know, and then, of course, the senator has to dress in drag and they all escape without getting caught by the eye of the press. So. That's a very long-winded, uh, you know, explanation. But I think this movie has just so many fun gags. It's 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 very liberating. I found it funny that, um, you know, even watching it almost, you know, 30 years out, it has a lot of staying power and it has a lot of resonance with a lot of issues about, you know, you versus me kind of situations. Like, you know, what is conservatism? Is it really about fiscal responsibility or is there an underlying idea of like, hey? racial, sexual, all these different things come into play. Um, and, and, and I still can't get over the fact that this is a very uh, progressive film. And, and I'm trying to think back in the 90s before you were born. Um, but, you know, it was that, that the point. 80s, man. Why does that go? <laughs> yeah, but I'm just thinking about, like, I, I can't 
it's funny because you could play this movie again like today and maybe update a little bit of the clothing but honestly there would still be the same story and 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 the sad part is that this happens a lot like um we know uh, that lots of people are still kind of in the closet and have to hide this um and and this movie came out as a watershed moment. and mind you this water this movie uh, you and I both know musicals, right? So, the Casual Folie, uh, that, that was a musical. And this, this, this whole premise came out, I don't know, like 20 years earlier, which to me is even more dramatic. Like, imagine being in the 70s and coming out as like, yeah. you know, having a, uh, weird story about like this kind of outwardly gay couple and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it was just a fun, biting satire on just like the conservative values and how to kind of deal with it. I don't want to give up all the, all the gags, but, um, Man, some of the things that I, you know, we were talking about how much we love Robin Williams and how he does a lot of like kind of ad libbing and just off like freewheeling stuff. But, uh, man, there are some like when he's doing all the dance moves, like Madonna, Madonna, like it's like all, all the kind of things. And you're like, holy cow, I forgot just how powerful his acting is, not only in terms of the frenetic things. Like, I mean, you know, when we hear about all the ad libbing that was going on with like Genie for Aladdin and stuff like that, that was like him and his voice and then kind of getting transcended and translated into the animated stuff. But when you see him actually doing all the actions, man, that dude is a ball of energy. And 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 I also don't want to downplay the fact that his serious acting too, like when he has to have those sit down heart to heart moments with his son going, look, mm-hmm. And, and then, like, you know, his son's like, you're wearing makeup or concealer. And he's like, hey, that's who I am. I thought that was like, uh, and again, this all comes before, like, the whole Goodwill hunting, at least I think so, uh, kind of era, where Robin Williams gets put out as this really good classical actor. This was one of the first forays where you see glimpse of that, a glimpse of that, where he's kind of negotiating, talking to his son about the seriousness or, like, talking to his partner about, like, hey, man, you really can't afford to burn bridges for your son, right? Like, that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I'll let you go talk about this stuff because there's so many fun things I, I just want to touch on, but I'll let you go first, man. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, this movie, I, I, I think I watched this movie for the first time in college, so like probably 2005 ish or some, somewhere around there. And how did you come across it though? Like what prompted you to like, this prestige prime or Netflix, right? Yeah. One of my friends told me to watch it and I watched okay. it and I was like, Oh man. Cause I mean, I was at that point prior to that point, movies were more, uh, something of my past like it was like it was a disney kind of thing i was just turning 20 i was kind of leaving that era behind mm-hmm. or whatever and uh getting into more serious you know film and, and stuff like that and i just watched this you know for that time and man it was just at that point it was like i mean you're a college student you don't take anything deeply you don't think about the issues or whatever and this movie is just funny i mean it, it, of course, every time you think of Robin Williams, you think of, oh, man, that guy's funny. All of his movies are pretty much funny. I mean, unless you're talking about, like, the, the final cut or whatever, or, or what, Insomnia or whatever, that, that movie. Yeah. Those movies weren't funny, but uh, most of his movies are comedies. And th- uh, this is – it's really hard if if I had to go through and say, hey, what's my favorite Robert, Robin Williams movie? I think this would probably be it because mm-hmm. it's not just Robin Williams that's fantastic in this movie. Nathan Lane just kills this movie, yes. right? I mean, it's just, yes. I mean, you and I talk a lot about acting, right? When, 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 when we watch these movies, a lot of the times the acting is just, I mean, it's shit. I mean, it's just so bad mm-hmm. uh, in, in a lot of the movies. And it's not, it's not even just Ricky, Ricky's movies. I mean, a lot of my movies, <laughs> right? You know, uh, has just terrible acting, right? This movie just is on point for almost every single of the main characters. Robin Williams nails it. 
Nathan Lane ails it. Gene Hackman, I mean, seriously, oh, yeah. man, it's just yeah. so good. I mean, I mean, it, you can't even really explain unless you watch this movie how good. Now, not only that their individual uh, performances were, mm-hmm. but how well they meshed together, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just so good. Um, and you're right, there was just I mean. Just a ton of different, like, small things in this movie that you're going to end up remembering after this movie, that you, after you watched it, that you just chuckle in the back of your head. Like, the, the pinkies down thing, the, um... Uh, like, okay, let's, let's, let's just go back and forth on these, because I, like, I'll, I'll go, like, so, um, I think you, we can't ignore the fact that Hank Azaria is in this, and he plays their, like, manservant, and he has so many good jokes where he's, like, he, he he's, like, what's, what, what is his name? Uh, and he finds the most masculine. I am Spartacus, and you're like, what? <laughs> right? And then, and then, like, uh, what was it? Robin Williams to 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 hide the again. I can't get over the Greek boy plates thing where it's like, um, the the mom is like, get me my glasses so I can see the. I, I think they're definitely Greek, honey. Yes. And then, and then of course, Robin Williams just ladles on the sauce, and and he's and then they're like, oh, I thought we were having chicken. It's like, no, this is the soup. Um, but chicken in 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 uh, what is it? He calls him in Spartacus's country. A man's wealth is measured by the size of his. And then he's like, and then like soup. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. But it was just it was just so funny how there's so many like flyby gags. We're just like, oh, and it's like, oh, it keeps on coming, man. Like just really good stuff, man. Uh, there at the beginning when uh, Albert's not doesn't want to go out on stage. There's just so many parts from that just one part where they're arguing back and forth. Robin Williams' character trying to get Nathan Lane to go out on stage. They're just talking back and forth and arguing. It's oh my god, it's so good. Uh, and I mean, if this movie was just the beginning before even the marriage, old marriage thing came out, it was just about like the relationships between Robin Williams and uh, Nathan Lane and the mm-hmm. whole drag cup thing. That would have been just funny on its own. I mean, right? It wouldn't even have had yeah. to bring in any of it else. And it's 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 rare that you can say that you get into a movie right from the beginning, and uh, you know, it, it just kind of brings you in with the comedy of it right from the beginning, and before even the story even gets. I mean, because I mean, there's a whole kind of um, at, at the beginning they kind of tease like, oh, Robin Williams is cheating on Nathan Lane's mm-hmm. character, like you know, like think like, but it's really their son. Uh, so, I mean, it, it could have went that direction and it would have still been a good movie, right? So, I mean, there's just so many different aspects of this movie that are so entertaining. And it, I, I just keep going back to the, the acting. It's just every time I come back and watch this movie, it's not like I know Robin Williams is a good actor. right? Mm-hmm. I, I know that. I like all of his movies. Uh, even Insomnia, which is a bad movie, is, is you know, good because he's in it. Um, he makes everything that he's in better. But you watch this and you like, man, I forgot how good Nathan Lane is in this movie. I forgot how good Gene Hackman is in this movie. Because when you think of this movie, you think, well, this is a Robin Williams movie. Uh, but there's just so much good stuff. I mean, it's not not even weird. It's really hard just to pick out, say, you know, oh, this is my favorite part. I don't know if I could pick a favorite part of this movie. The whole damn thing is good. Right. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's funny. We're not we're going to talk more a little bit about Nathan Lane's acting. But while we're digging on to the, you know, the, the kind of acting job he does at the beginning, like I thought it was interesting that this movie was a huge, at least in general, mainstream pop culture. Uh, you were you were too young at this point. But when I when I saw this, um, it had just come out and 
I remember that, like, you know, people were still in the closet and, and, you know, being gay was still a very big taboo, right? And I remember when this movie came out, it kind of had Robin Williams, like, big name, right, behind it, close to Flockhart, just on the cusp of uh, Ali McBeal, right? And, you know, big names were kind of behind this movie, so people flocked to it. And it kind of pronounced the kind of challenge in a very tongue-in-cheek but laughy kind of way on the real plight that a lot of closeted homosexual people had, right? Um, but I just thought that it got so celebrated by the gay community, right? And, that, and that, that's great. But it's weird because you watch it and you're like, you know, I don't think Nathan Lane had come out yet at that point in time. I, I mean, people had talked about Nathan Lane being gay, but I don't think that he'd come out. And the second part was, you know, in his acting on the on the gay kind of over the top gay acting. I mean, Robin Williams pulls it off, but that's because he also has this pulled back where he's reserved and he's kind of acts like a straight dad kind of thing. But Nathan Lane is always the effeminate gay diva. And I was surprised that it was so well received from the gay community because I'd be like, hey, man, that plays a little serious. Like if, if I saw a Chinese person in a movie and it's like suddenly he just busts out kung fu and stuff, I'd be like, hey, may, maybe that you might know, tone it down a little bit. Right. But it was just kind of strange to me how, you know, yes, it's very good and very progressive about his messaging. But still, the portrayal of Nathan Lane, that still is very over the top. And and maybe I just am not acquainted with the community all that well to say like that is there are tons of people like this vince maybe that's the thing i don't i don't know but it's just very strange to see that strong reception on what i perceived as a very strong stereotype yeah well i think it i think it played very well generally because of how the movie was framed right because it starts out just completely over the top right i mean it's i mean literally the first views of the movie you have is going into the club and yep. it's just over the top there's people everywhere there's loud music um you know it, it, and it's just completely framed in a way that Nathan Lane fits in you know it does he doesn't stand out in this movie because the whole movie is kind of over the top in terms of the framing and the cinematography and the music and everything is just it's loud right so he it's not as if if he was like that in like a really serious movie where there's no comedy and there was nothing else about, uh, you know, that community or whatever, uh, he would stand out a whole much more. And I don't think it would have been accepted nearly as much as if uh, it had been the way it was, in, you know, in the movie, because, like I said, he just doesn't stand out. And um, plus, there are characters in the movie that kind of uh, outdo him in terms of you know, over the top, because you talked about their manservant. What was his name? I can't. Aguilar or Spartacus. <laughs> yes, something like that. Anyways, he, he, he's even further over the top than Nathan, Nathan Lane, at least in some parts of the movie, right? So, I mean, it's not as if Nathan Lane is alone in terms of how he acts. So it doesn't, I think that's the reason why it was more accepted. Um, but in, in that particular case, though, I would say that um, one, once again, it's not just the sexual orientation issue that's at play for, for that uh, manservant. I, I thought it was funny that, like, you know, he really played up. I think it was Guatemalan or Puerto Rican. I can't remember what it was. Uh, it, I, it was I think I think it's Guatemalan because yeah. he says it really weird. Yeah. So it was one of those. <laughs> it was kind of one of those, uh, like, you know, South American roots where once again, because the it, it wasn't the sexual orientation thing, it was the kind of racial or ethnic issue where it's like, oh, no, no, he can't be from a, like a South American country. He has to be like, you know, I'm Spartacus. Right. And then uh, the funny thing was like I, and he starts complaining and bemoaning the fact that oh, I have to wear shoes. 
remember it's like like because it, it's such a it's such a kind of stereotype it's like yeah, yeah why, why would i have to wear shoes and and then of course he like it's like a peter sellers kind of thing where every time he's had an opportunity he falls because he's like what are these things that i gotta put on my feet <laughs> so so it's all these kind of little funny gags that you're like oh it's building up so it's not just the orientation thing it's also like all these other stinging remarks on what conservative values are especially like again that they're 25 30 years ago and they still are amplified i would say they're amplified to this day right yeah i'd, I'd say that's true um in terms of so I, i'm looking at nathan lane's imdb page and like before this movie he actually wasn't around that much like i thought he'd been established as an actor for quite a long well, he was time on broadway but, though he was on broadway a ton matt Right, I know, but he, maybe I am, does IMDb not show Broadway stuff? It probably doesn't. Maybe that's the reason why. Mm. Um, well, because I mean, he's been around since obviously the '80s, but in terms of actual actual film, you got to remember, people don't. I mean, people don't pay attention to Broadway that much. So I mean, they maybe they wouldn't. I mean, because he would have been in the um, what's the one with um, Matthew Broderick, with the producer. producers, which we're going to talk about next week, next time. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my choice. <laughs> um, Anyway, so I mean, people probably knew, maybe knew him from from that, but well, no, 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 no. But that's the thing: producers didn't come out until like two thousands or something. And like, film, because so. the original film was uh, was Gene Wilder, remember? Oh right. And I, and I totally uh, and uh, what was his name? Um, the old guy. Oh crap. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't Nathan Lane that one. So I'm trying to think of a movie before Birdcage came out in 1996. That he would have been known for, and the only one you would really, really, the only one that I knew before then that he was in was The Lion King, and that's an animated movie, so you wouldn't really know it was him. He played the the, the warhawk, right? Pumbaa. No, 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 the the, the, the no, big guy was one. someone else. He played the the other Demon. one, yeah, the meerkat, right. the meerkat. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah. Um, so that's like the only one. I'm looking through the the rest of his earlier earlier film things, and it's just like things that I just don't even know what they are. So. It's interesting how, uh, and maybe this is just my perception of me watching this movie much later than it came out, but it feels like this film was kind of his first big film that actually kind of, you know, put him on the scene. I I don't know. Again, I don't have his IMDb in front of me, but I would assume that he'd probably been in at least a few things earlier. I do know, as I said before, he was really a, a... a kind of powerhouse behind a lot of Broadway stuff. Like he was like the, the, the kind of everyday guy that would always be in Broadway. Um, like I, I would say he's like the Bernadette Peters, right? Like in the eighties, uh, you probably don't know this, uh, in the eighties, early nineties, Bernadette Peters was huge Broadway. And then she kind of popped on TV and, and movies all the time. Uh, that's where I'd say Nathan Lane kind of got the cue. Um, it's just that he was more successful. Um, I, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but anyways, he standout performance from that man um all around cast was good i found that um the the whole movie given that it was translated from like a european um kind of uh, origins the translation to miami i mean it feels like it, it should have been it, like almost almost like because with the high concentration of gay population in the state and those uh, cities uh and and also the kind of themes of you know, um, you know, South American work, immigrant workers and, and, and Latinos and stuff. I just thought, and, and the clash with the conservative uh, values there, I thought this would have been like coming out of straight out of Florida, but instead it came out like, you know, 20 years prior, as we discussed earlier, that it came out like in Europe 20 years earlier. Yeah. I thought it was crazy. 
the the thing about Florida, I mean, it's this movie, at least for me, this movie would not have worked anywhere else other than Southern Florida, right? Because when you think of Miami and South Beach and like that, you think of over the top and mm-hmm. very cultured and stuff like that. If this movie had been in Rhode Island or Delaware somewhere, like I mean, it would have been, it just would not have worked. Like, so I mean, it's, it, well, I think it, that it works in Florida in particular because there's such a conflict between the conservative and the more libertine approaches. Like, if this were to happen, say, in California, if the movie were situated in California, I would still say that even in California, they'd be far more open-minded to the kind of same-sex orientation, marriages mm-hmm. and stuff, um, even in the 90s. So I just think that, yeah, like, you're right, it, it would have definitely been a Florida movie. Um, and it just works. And, and like, the, the, and the you and I both nerd out about music, too. Like, I know that era. You know, and it was playing a lot of late 80s kind of um, dance music. Like I said, like when I hear the soundtrack again, it just throws me back to the late 80s of like Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine, like that kind of stuff. Um, and it was just like so pumping and stuff. So it was maybe maybe it's that Vince has a, is a, you know, drag aficionado on music. But it's just that it just happened to be that I was like, I remember the music coming out there. It was, it was kind of fun stuff. So. Good, good ambience situated us really well. Um, I, I can't, I can't say anything's really wrong with this movie. It's, it's good satire. Uh, you know, it makes you laugh. It's a comedy. It's supposed to do that. Um, but at the same time, you just looking at it back now, um, there are so many things where you're just like, huh, it's unfortunately, uh, it's the same messages and the same themes still resonate today. So that, that's, that's the only dark undertone that comes out from watching it again. But otherwise, it's, it's a great movie in my books. Yeah, I mean, talking about this movie, for the most part, you know, outside of a couple references to Robert Williams' suicide, the rest of this movie ages really well. Um, like, it, this is one of those movies that I feel like 10 years from now, I could still watch, and it'd still be just as good as the day I watched it. Um, and, and, and for multiple reasons, not only does it still fit in with, you know, I mean, uh, Miami and Florida is still over the top, you know, I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. the, the culture hasn't changed, it's, you know, um, it's just one of those movies that's just it feels like it's going to age very well for a very long time um so what well, would you okay give- i i should do before you give the numbers i do have a question about you know you're talking about how it will age really well over time but i mean it does make a lot of stereotypes and generalizations and we see that and then it plays and panders to like low-key crass jokes right mm-hmm. and we see that already in other funny movies that we agree are good like blazing saddles but there's no way in hell People would be able to watch that movie or make that movie, right? Let alone say that they like it. Like you and I both think it's funny, and and fortunately we're at a point in history where we can still kind of get away with saying it. But I don't know. Like like you you say that I'm gonna make a movie about a black cowboy doing this and then like all these jokes, and then people are like, no, no, you can't do that. You can't. Yeah. So I'm thinking like all the stuff that they, especially with the kind of over the top versions of of the kind of gay stereotypes that you see in the movie. I'm not sure uh, if, if, if like 20 years from now you'd be like, oh man, that that's uh, that that's yeah. really not cringy, right? It's well, it is interesting because I mean it is the culture and acceptance of you know LGBT plus uh, you know it has mm-hmm. it is it is slowly changing to be more acceptance at least you know in this part of the world. Um, so it will it will be interesting to see if I'm right. I think that. It will still be just as funny because it's not. I don't. Maybe it's the maybe 
it's my straight whiteness, you know, kind of <laughs> coloring my uh, 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 feelings on this fi- mm-hmm. film. But um, because I mean, I can't really put myself in the shoes of someone who you know would find this film offensive. It's just, um, but you're also, I mean, completely right about Blazing Sandals, right? Mel Brooks would not do well in this. <laughs> like hardly any any of his movies really would do very well in this in you know this day and age because a lot of his movies had uh, things. But Blazing Saddles, like, like I mean seriously, not, not a single. I mean when every once in a while they'll play that in like cable TV or whatever, and the amount of stuff that they have to cut out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> is it, I mean it, it just completely changes the movie. I mean, like every single like part that they have to cut out or have to go to commercial for. You know, it's just like, and the thing is, I mean, for that time, I mean, obviously going on to a, a tangent here, but for that time period that when that movie came out, you know, it, it was kind of similar to what the birdcage did in terms of like satire. It was obviously blatantly making fun of mm-hmm. racism <clears throat> and stuff like that, yep. but it wouldn't, it's not taken that way now, right? Or wouldn't be taken that way now. Um, although I, I, like, I know several African-American people, uh, you know, um, all of them, or I think most of them, think that that movie is hilarious, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think that a, a lot of the anger towards that film would probably come from white people <laughs> more than it would actually come from uh, POCs, right? Yeah. Um, uh, anyways, um, yeah. so what would you're you asking about four out of five, easy. Four oh, yeah. Five. You know... I've always been very, very hesitant to give a movie a perfect score, mm. uh, but I give this movie five out of five. I, nice. I don't, I don't see a single part of this movie that I dislike. Uh, I, I mean, we didn't even talk about Gene Hackman all that much, but that man acted his pants off in this movie. Uh, and the fact that three days after watching this movie, I was still saying, "Where's my candy?" <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just the. the there's just so I mean, and, and th- that's just like the top three actors in this movie. The ev- like everyone in this movie, all the way to the B-list actors that you've never heard of again, uh, did just fantastic in this movie. So yeah, I I would go five out of five. I I, I could watch this movie once a week probably for the rest of my life. It's that good. Wow. It's wow. I mean, it's literally like I said before. It, it it's really hard for me to pick a favorite Robin Williams movie because he has so many good ones. Uh, but I think that this would probably be my favorite out of all of them. Yeah, it's it's up there for me too, man. But coming back to Nathan Lane, our next show, it's my pick. So I'm dropping down the producers, Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick. And, you know, while we're talking about Blazing Saddles, it's, of course, if, if we colored the race card in Blazing Saddles and how that was kind of contentious, well, let's talk about being Jewish and the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it is terrible to say, but to be fair, Mel Brooks, Jewish, and wrote this. Um, the So I, uh, producers, springtime for Hitler, man. Uh, it's yeah, coming I, around the corner. I will be very disappointed if there's not a Jews in space reference. <laughs> you, you know, I've never seen History of the World Part 1? I can't remember that one that far back. That's so long ago, man. Oh, oh man. The, all right. We'll do producers next, but after that, we're doing History of the World Part 1. Because that's the best Mel Brooks movie. No, I remember the movie. I still remember all the jokes, man. Jeez. Literally, it's at the end of the movie. It's okay. <laughs> Hitler on ice. <laughs> okay. 
Um, anyways, so hopefully yeah. <laughs> Ricky will be able to meet us out on that one because it's a musical and it's oh, satire. We're not doing another show until he can actually be here because he's going to be here through a musical. He always skips out on those. Yeah. Although he he was here for the one he was was here here for Greatest Showman or no that wasn't he was here for one of the musicals that we did. The last. Miz. I think we made him watch Les Miz, didn't we? Well, I mean, That's we a pretty tried. epic musical to make him watch. Come on. One of the one of the musicals he did show up for, uh, he didn't like it, because um, he has it, it didn't have enough cars or uh, uh, Vin Diesel in it or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right, so that is it for us this time. Uh, I, I think Vince and I would both agree. If you haven't watched The Birdcage, go watch The Birdcage. Just definitely, just go do it. Yeah, um, it's so good. You won't be disappointed. Um, anyways, so uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at the Three Cast on Twitter. You can. Su- uh, you can um, email us at the 3 show at gmail.com or some nonsense like that. Uh, and uh, coming up next, we'll be doing the producers. Uh, that'll probably be sometime in August, August probably yeah. mid-August. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, damn, July just went really fast. Man. I thought I it was like, July. Yeah. Like, the, like three days from now will be August. Like, we might as well get the Christmas shit out. All right. Anyways, <laughs> uh, All right. that's it for us this time. We'll see you next time. Take care, guys.